1: Real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this.
2: Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two year the low. There are, the complex reasons
0: of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Right. Doing Mr. the grocery 28. shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family
2: budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian Versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist Thomas. Hi
3: Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing very well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh... Welcome to the show out there. If you're joining us for the first time, maybe a friend sent you. Hopefully they did. Uh, we would love it if you did that. Uh, we are trying to get as many people to listen to the show as possible. So if you could tell just one person, that would be amazing. Uh, every, every little bit helps. I did notice, Thomas, we're up to 991 Instagram followers. Ooh. Um, I think 1,000 is the definition of viral, um, if I'm not mistaken, if I've been listening to the kids right uh, so yeah, nine to go and then we are officially viral. So tag a mate, uh, tell them about CVE, tell them Thomas sent you, uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, and don't forget FinFest happening October 15th. If you haven't got your tickets yet, tickets are available. First release tickets on sale now for just $47. It's going to be epic. Uh, spots are limited though, so get in quick. FinFest is powered by Stake And Thomas, big news today. Happy birthday to our mum, Uh, sending you lots of birthday love from your favourite son. Mum, (laughs) we obviously don't need to say who that is. (laughs) Suffice to say, it's hard to imagine any parent wanting their child to be an economist when they grow up. So, uh, (laughs) look, did you ring her today?
3: No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Had a big weekend.
2: Let's hope she stays up late these days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right big show coming up let's get into it Thomas I have done a bit of research I've been looking into bears and if you are confronted by a bear if the bear charges your best advice to stand your ground you cannot outrun it don't scream or yell speak in soft monotone voice and wave your arms to let the bear know you are human Thomas, I'd like to find out if the same advice applies to a bear market because we're confronted with one of those at the moment. Uh, And solar farms in the Northern Territory are sitting idle, Thomas, doing nothing. Mm, mm. Maybe it really is harder to grow sunlight than we thought. And face off or at least hide your face next time you go into Kmart because it turns out they're scanning your face when you enter the store. We're going to find out why. But first... The Fair Work Commission has done a fair job with a fairly decent wage rise for fairground workers and others. (laughs) Thomas, will we fare any better as a result?
3: Uh, Yeah, well, I think sort of a good result for people on the minimum wage. they they got a 5.2% increase, uh, the biggest in 16 years. Mm. Yeah, so that's not a bad outcome. But remember that inflation's latest CPI is running at 5.1% headline. Mm. So that's just a touch over that and expected to go north of that. So really the minimum wage is just keeping pace with inflation so in real terms it's holding steady but Mm. this time next year will probably be negative so it means a fall in real wages for people on the minimum wage
2: who's getting that boost then the the 5.1
3: percent 5.2 is going to the minimum wages yeah so they've done something interesting this year where they've split it up which they they don't normally do so normally they just set an increase for all awards and that for minimum wage and up and you Mm. know like Airline pilots are on an award as well. The award's like two hundred grand or something, but um, and it's an best or- landing <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 only given out to <laughs> Top Gun though. <laughs> <laughs> Keep working if you haven't won the best landing award yet and you're a pilot out there. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams.
3: Yeah, yeah. so so normally the the commission adjusts awards across the board, but this year they've Mm. they've given 5.2% to people on the minimum wage. And then they've done something else interesting where they've given 4.6% or $40, whatever's more. So... They've got, effectively oh. got three tiers. So if you're on the minimum wage, you're getting five point two percent. If you're mm. earning less than eight hundred and sixty nine dollars, you get forty bucks. And if you're earning just more a flat than, rate, yeah, yeah, just
2: forty bucks, forty there bucks, you
3: go. yeah. Right. And if you're earning more than eight hundred and sixty nine dollars a week, then you get four point six percent.
2: Right. What's the idea there?
3: Well, the idea is it's more progressive in the sense that the poor get more. So if you're earning less, forty dollars is going to be is more than four point six percent. So, right. it's, so with five point two going to the minimum wage and then forty dollars, everyone earning less than eight hundred sixty nine dollars, yeah. If you're earning less, you're getting more with this kind of this kind of system. Right. Yeah. So they haven't they haven't done this in a while, but yeah, that's what that's what they've decided to go with this time.
2: People and people are this is a good idea or this is not a good idea.
3: Ah, uh, it's it's a little contentious. I mean, obviously, right. yeah, obviously. The unions and the people earning minimum wage, they, they're happy with it. They think it's a good result. Unions said it could have, could have been more. Sort of some of the people in the business press were a bit unhappy. So, Robert Gottliebson saying it's um ha, uh, have created a nationwide expectation of a 5% wage rise, which, which will act as a flamethrower to inflation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he's yeah.
2: not winning any awards then, is he?
3: Um, <laughs> yeah. So, if we so give
2: out a 5% Pay rise. His his argument then is that it creates more demand in the economy when we're trying to cool demand by raising rates and doing all those other things. Is that the argument? I
3: don't. That's not the argument. You you could make that argument. It's not particularly strong because it's not huge. But the argument Mm. is more that um, this is a cost that businesses have to bear, uh, and as the costs go up, then that'll get passed on in inflation. In, into inflation as those costs rise. Ah, right. That's sort of – and that's why, yeah, that, that's typically the argument that the people in the business press argue for when they're trying to, you know, make sure that people don't get big wage increases, that, mm. that going to lead to inflation. Yes, it's bad for business, mm. but we're really concerned about inflation. That's why we're, we're arguing about it.
2: Are the CEOs of these big businesses that take often massive pay rises and massive bonuses – are they behind it or are they are they sort of keeping uh, shush on the matter? Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> Hoping <laughs> no one will look at them. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to see, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> they tend to let the business, the peak in business groups and industry groups speak on their behalf. So the ah. Australian... Keep Council a safe distance. Tend- yeah, to- yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> also good advice when confronted by a bear. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> So Thomas the ASX got hammered last week. Uh, seems like the bears are everywhere.
3: Bears are scary. Should we be scared? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean last week was was a bit of a was a bit brutal for the ASX. Mm. Uh, the biggest weekly loss since the the COVID crash of 2020. So pretty grim. It was all sort of all came out of the US. The US got in, inflation's running at 8.6%, which is a 40-year high. Uh, that sort of put markets and made them a bit nervous the fed came out and hiked rates by 0.75 percentage points um Mm. which is the largest increase in 28 years that caused a bit of a sell-off in the u.s that followed up in the in australia with the asx sold off five percent on wednesday so that was a big big downturn sort of across the board banks energies technologies everything everything's getting hit um yeah, so where you get we're definitely in in bear market territory now. So, yeah, ASX is is getting a getting hit pretty hard. The S&P 500 in America is down 24% from its peak, the mm. Nasdaq's down 30 34%, so it's pretty huge. Bitcoin had a brutal weekend as well. Dropped under 20,000 US dollars for a while there. That's now down 71% from its peak in 2021.
2: Wow, you'd be disappointed in that.
3: Yeah, I know, yeah. Big, I know you're a big.
2: know you're a big proponent of, of cryptocurrencies.
3: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm just going to buy the dip once we get there. <laughs> <laughs> then moon. Yeah, moon. Yeah. Um, I mean, the interesting yeah, right. interesting thing with the analysts is saying, just as a side note, saying that in 2018 Bitcoin fell 83. Um, so saying yeah, you know, it's like yeah, we just it's just history repeating, and it, and it will bounce back, if that's true, and I don't, I don't know how true it is, but that would put a price target of around eleven thousand. US dollars for Bitcoin down right. from where 20% where it is, 20,000 where it is now.
2: It took a while to bounce back too, didn't it? Like it sat oh, at yes. nothing until COVID and then everyone's like, crypto's on. We yeah, need, yeah, If we're yeah. going to beat this, this <laughs> <laughs> SARS V2, whatever disease it is, we're going to need some cryptocurrency to deal with it. Mm. So the big question, I guess, is when will the bear market end? Like we've been heading mm. downwards since what, early start of the year. Um,
3: mm. Are we at the
2: bottom? Do we know where the bottom is? How can yeah. we see it?
3: It's it's very hard to know. Typically, mm. one thought I have around it is that like a lot of it's been been triggered by sort of reaction to central bank movements, the you know Fed and RBA are hiking rates, the general shift in tone globally towards tighter tighter monetary policy. But humans are typically good at avoiding slow moving disasters. Are we? Yeah, I think so.
2: Other than the stock market gradually being eaten away, what's another slow-moving disaster? Uh, a really well, slow peak. volcano, just a yeah. gently warming... Uh, well, there's like... Peak <laughs> climate change.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're not doing so well at climate change we're right now. are dealing with it. It's yeah. like about like peak oil, that we were worried about that, but then that right. turned out to be not a thing. Peak food, okay. we, were, we were very worried in the 70s that we just... Australia just would not be able to grow enough food for a population of 12 million. Right. Turn, turns out we can feed 24 million without a drama. Crushed it. Crushed air, nailed it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so because, because we react, so we, right. we can adjust and as the crisis builds we can, you know, help get out of the way. It maybe, maybe doesn't apply to all things. I'm still nervous mm. about how climate change is going to play out. But, <laughs> but But I think, like, the point is that, like, we're talking about you look at where market's are pricing interest rates to go from here and people are freaking out about that and then but the sort of that involves a picture of central banks hiking rates full bore into an epic recession and then just keep pushing mm. and pushing and that's not what's going to happen that you know they meet monthly for a reason they sort of they adjust and then see how it plays out adjust and see how it plays out um, and if the wheels really start coming off then then they'll, they'll take a breather so in that context i don't you know pay a lot of attention but some of the stuff I've heard out of the US is they're
2: pretty like pretty much like look we're just doing whatever it takes to get inflation under control we're going to just mm. this is like all bets are off we'll send the we'll send the econ- economy into the ground if we have to to get inflation under control mm. so i hear what you're saying they're they meeting monthly and whatever, but at the same time, they're like every month they're just getting
3: together going, how are we going? Nah, still no good. Righto. <laughs> Rate rises. But if you get into a deep recession, that's not consistent with inflation, with consistent inflation. And at the moment it's mm. all supply shocks, it's all supply chain disruptions, energy prices. Those things will come out of the inflation data unless mm. they keep going up and up. I mean, and like commodity prices, just today, you know, they, they've come off the boil. I, I expect energy prices will, will as well. They can't keep going up from where they are. Mm. So the inflation shock enters the system, and then once once prices, even though they just plateau out, if, you know, if oil prices stay where they are, which is very high, but if they stay where they are and don't change, then they they're contributing nothing to inflation. And if mm. they return to normal, which is probably what they're going ha- to going to do, then they start taking subtracting from inflation right mm. so
2: in answer to my question when will it end we don't know we don't know soonish.
3: But, <laughs> yeah
2: well soonish but maybe not
3: i mean this is there's, there's people in the markets now saying this that the adjustment to monetary policy that is priced in is is reflect, has already been priced into the market mm. that the falls so far are forward looking and involve a normalization of monetary policy and things things getting back to normal Mm. and it's already priced in. Because
2: there are still some people saying that it's transitory, right? Yeah. Not everyone's agreeing that it's that this is permanent inflation. No, no. I, like I think it was, is it Janet Yellen? Is that the one in the mm-hmm. United States? Yeah. She was coming out today or yesterday saying, nah, still, still think, see this as
3: transitory. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I th- I, I've got time for that argument. Like it's the saying mm. about energy prices. Like they've got to keep, to keep contributing to inflation, they've got to keep going up and up and up mm. and it's, just not possible. And I think a lot of the supply chain disruptions are starting to sort themselves out. We're sort of managing around what's happening in the war in Ukraine and what that's done to wheat prices. We're adjusting. It takes time to adjust, but we adjust. That's what markets do very well is they absorb Mm. shocks and and adjust quite seamlessly sometimes. So it takes some time, but I I think that's what we're seeing.
2: So the big question I've got when I talk to a lot of friends and whatever, they're like, where do I put my money? Like, Mm. how do you know where... Like we can't, you can't. You don't want cash because inflation's eating away your cash. You can't. The, the market's going down or has been at least till now. Where do you, what do you do with it? Where do you hide it?
3: It's really tricky. I mean, I mean, you Chris Joy wrote an article in the AFR the other day, which is interesting, saying like everyone says cash is bad in inflation environments, but you've got sort of as interest rates go up um, hmm. to to, com- to combat inflation, then you sort of your basic term deposit starts paying more and more. Like cash mm. cash under your bed is losing value, but cash in a term deposit is doing okay. Mm. It's not the, the dead end, the deadbeat option that people talk about it being just holding, holding cash because you don't just stick it under your bed.
2: But then you can't deploy it if it's in a term deposit. You can't deploy it when Ethereum turns the corner yeah. and starts heading <laughs> north. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't dump it all back into the back into CoinSpot account. So uh, well, yeah. yeah,
3: no, it's yeah, investing's hard. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you go back to the start of the year or to like the the, the peak a few months ago, and said mm-hmm. to me, you know, where should I hide my money? Like to this to me in the future, like I couldn't mm-hmm. give you an answer. Like there hasn't been an asset class that's survived the the sell off in the of past couple of months. Mm. in in broad terms you know like specific companies have done well or specific things have done well but not not broadly like bonds bonds haven't done well share market hasn't done well crypto hasn't done well property hasn't done well none of the sort of the, the
2: gold broad... is there any any, no. <laughs> any takers for gold gold's <laughs> not done well no, i
3: don't think so oh.
2: no. Didn't yeah. and the digital gold hasn't hasn't panned out <laughs>
3: no, no no oh well yeah Even commodities, so commodities down there. I don't know how they would compare to like a month or two months ago, but you know they're Mm. a bit of a sell-off today. So, right, yeah. So yeah, there isn't there isn't sort of this particular round. There hasn't been anywhere to hide, but Mm. but then I don't know going forward. It's it's a bit tricky to know.
2: So how do people time the market
3: then? Like is that
2: well? Can you? They
3: don't really like. It's very hard to time. Like right. I, I read something the other day, saying uh, Jonathan Philpot from wealth management in the US is saying the S and P has declined, has de- has had declines of between ten and twenty percent. That's happened twenty nine times since the end of World War Two, and saying on average it only took four months to recover those losses. So huh. it's not that long in the scheme of things. It feels it feels really hard when you when you're seeing your portfolio getting smashed, but. Typically, it only takes four months to bounce back.
2: It feels really hard. It's it's not as hard as explaining to Anna what's happening to our portfolio because mm. she left it in my capable hands. <laughs> 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 I'm really regretting the, don't you know I do a finance podcast? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Argument. <laughs> when everything was rosy, I said, we're, we're going to get in. This <laughs> is we're missing
3: out yeah the other point this guy makes is that say like while it takes four months to recover the big recovery days uh typically happen very short shortly after the bottom of the market so it it bounces back quickly but you don't know when that bottom is but if you're waiting for a clear signal that the market's turned you're going to miss those big recoveries and you're going to potentially lose money so so his his point is like you don't try to time the market. It's very hard. No no one can. No one's got a crystal ball.
2: This reminds me of my beat the bomb days on Triple M when people would ring up trying to beat the, you uh, know, $100, $200. <laughs> and they had to go, stop. <laughs> this is just, this, this market's got radio game show written all over. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here, we'll grab a quick word from this week's sponsor, and be back with more. We're going to be talking about the energy crisis as well as facial recognition technology coming to a shopping centre near you. All on comedian versus economist right after this. <laughs>
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
2: Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com, or get us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE podcast, only nine more followers on Instagram before we hit the magical one thousand mark, which totally meaningless, but still fun, nevertheless. Thomas, uh, we covered off the energy crisis a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm sure everyone is well across skyrocketing
3: uh, electricity prices.
2: Have we fixed it now? Where are we at?
3: Uh, no, no, we haven't fixed it, but we, we got we're getting some more plans. <laughs> <laughs> Got some more data, some yeah, more plans. More plans. Yeah, no, the federal mm. government, like so I last week, end of last week, the federal government's Energy Security Board designed, released a draft plan for, so a draft plan, not an actual plan, just a draft one sure. for a new cap- capacity mechanism. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So in this one, we're going to pay electricity generators not to produce stuff. Actually, that's it. We're just going to pay them to have stuff available when we need it rather than just produce it. So currently electricity ah. generators get paid to produce. We're going to pay right. them to keep some uh, redundancy in their capacity.
2: So just like we at home might just turn the the heater on when we need it and and use some power, they're just going to have the what the coal stations just sitting there <laughs> till there's enough heaters on and then Fire them
3: up. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, it's just making sure right. there's there's enough. Yeah, there's there's excess capacity in the system. That's that's sort of the plan. What the mechanism is going to do. There was a lot of talk about whether coal or gas um, generators would be included in that. So whether mm. they would pay fossil fuel generators to to stay on and just have that capacity. Um, the board said it, the, having that in the mix was important. They refused to rule it out. But uh, the states will have the final say in what, what goes into it. So Victoria's Energy Minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, came out and said, yeah, they're happy with the flexibility. It's always been clear for us that a capacity market wouldn't make payments to fossil fuels. It's got to go to zero emissions technologies. So that's how Victoria right. is going to work the mechanism. So
2: what they're saying, uh, we're only, we're only going to pay for solar or
3: Whatever, yeah, yeah. If, if, we, if we have to pay for extra, extra capacity in the system, we're, we're going to do that with, with solar and wind farms and things like that, with zero emissions tech.
2: We're saying to the energy producers, don't stop producing energy unless we need it, but then the states then have to top up the shortfall? Is that what you're saying?
3: No, the, the states manage, will manage the, secure, the capacity mechanism. And right. so when they're paying, the, the states will decide which generators to pay in their state to provide mm. this excess capacity.
2: Good. <laughs> all right, so will all this work? Will it fix the problem?
3: I don't think so. Not, not reading my no. reading of it. Like I don't even think it really actually addresses the problem.
2: It certainly makes the problem more complicated, I feel. It makes It, very <laughs> makes, it <laughs> makes it much harder to know what the problem is, which might be useful particularly for politicians.
3: No, that's right. I mean it sort of potentially just gives more – like some of the critics are calling it coal keeper – because um, it's just paying <laughs> paying, paying fossil fuel companies to keep, you know, not even just to stay alive, not even actually produce anything. Yeah. So one, like if you want to increase supply, if, if that's the problem, like when we had my mate Tim on The Energy Economist a few weeks ago, mm. the thing he kept pointing out was that it's, it's really about infrastructure, that there's all this, there is a lot of like solar farms and renewable tech projects ready to go they're just waiting for the infrastructure that allows them to connect to the grid and that's where the bottleneck is it's in that connectivity to the grid so the abc was running a, a story during the week which is interesting saying that there's four big solar farms have been built in the nt over the past few years mm. um but all of them are sitting idle and not compl- not supplying energy to the to the grid right so the panels are in place they're in a field they're ca- the mm. sun's hitting them and that energy is not going anywhere and it's substantial. So, there's en- any energy has a 25 megawatt facility near Catherine and two 10 megawatt solar farms at Bachelor and oh. Manton. And another company, Rimfire Energy, has a 10 megawatt facility at Bachelor. So, so they're
2: just like they're just reflecting light back into space.
3: Back into maybe space. That's, yeah.
2: Maybe that's why, you know, did you hear China detected aliens this week?
3: I did hear that. Mm. Yes. Aliens are just like,
2: whoa, stop shining light in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a bit like if supply is really the problem, then like create create the systems to bring all that the, that potential tech online. Um mm. just get that infrastructure in place. Seems to be a more logical route. Right.
2: So we're just we're just waiting on an extension lead to hook up to the to the solar farm.
3: Yeah, pretty That's, much. That's yeah. Come on, yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's Skomo's oh. got his phone plugged into it. when he's got to wait for him. To- <laughs> <laughs> He's just charging his
2: phone off his <laughs> solar farm.
3: <laughs> the other thing um. is, is that supply is not actually the problem. Like the national electricity energy market is oversupplied. Supply is greater than demand right now. Mm. Um, and I've got a chart. I'll share it to, the, to, to Instagram. That's, that we have an excess of supply. The problem is the price. And the reason prices are a problem here is because energy prices are set on a global market and we're paying global prices for, for our energy.
2: Can't we just stop
3: participating
2: in the global market?
3: Well, we could. If you had a mm. domestic reservation, so when, when we talked to last, last time we touched in on this, this is one of the proposals that could fix it is a domestic mm. reservation, which is what Western right. Australia has. Their energy prices are much lower than the, than the East Coast. Mm. Yeah, so as a domestic reservation would fix that problem, would fix it for us. Mm. Yeah, and that would support the local industry and manufacturing, which, you know, could be a good thing. There's a lot of, you know, the real danger here is that it hollows out the Australian economy that – lot of businesses that rely on energy to survive which is you know almost all businesses really they just go broke because they can't afford to pay it while the mining companies are selling you know 75 percent of our gas goes to china and Mm. china the chinese government funds you know has has direct support for chinese industry so the their manufacturing sector is doing well but ours potentially gets hollowed out so there, there isn't a coordination here which means that it seems to me to make make the Aussie economy a bit vulnerable. It's not a great situation.
2: Who's who's got to fix it? I mean, who's the who, is this is this a business thing? Is it a government thing? Is it a federal government or state government? I think who's I, yeah, who's on the I hook? Think, uh,
3: who I do think, I write to? Who do you write to? I reckon it's a, I reckon it's a federal thing because I, I think it's, right. it's it's a big enough crisis that you know we're talking about. But the, the you know the the viability of the Australian manufacturing sector, and we've mm-hmm. just come through COVID, where we realise that we can't rely on global supply chains completely. That we're we're quite vulnerable to these big shifts. We're trying to, you know, Anthony Albanese ran on a a, a platform of of making things here and, and reinvigorating Aussie manufacturing. So when energy prices are through the roof, that totally kills Aussie manufacturing. So mm. it's 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 a nation building to use that cliche. It's, it has that has that implication, and so and and I think the federal government has the capacity to to make some real real serious changes, particularly mm. like as as my mate Tim was saying, like invest in that infrastructure that that brings all these um, renewable energy projects online, allows them to plug in and then look at either a domestic gas reservation a domestic coal reservation or like what the UK Tories have done with a windfall tax where they tax the super profits of Mm. the resource companies and then funnel that back to households through through grants and you could funnel that back to Aussie companies as well to help them manage. Would it be a good start? But yeah, but tinkering Mm. with the capacity just seems like it's kind of willfully missing the point to me.
2: Whoever built the solar farm in the middle of the outback, not near anyone's house... I think probably has a lot to answer for as well. Like, we wouldn't need so many, so many extension leads if they just build it next to where people are living. <laughs> but it's there now. <laughs> so let's all, let's all pull together and maybe, I don't know, let's gather up your, gather up your extension cords and we'll see if we can, yeah, mm. what, do they, what do they call it? Arms around the world. <laughs> Extension leads
0: around the
2: country to the nearest solar farm. Right, Thomas. Finally, I'm hearing people are up in arms about facial recognition technology and being used at the shops. What's going
3: on? Yeah. So, Choice Magazine had a had an expose. Oh, uh, <laughs> juicy. Yeah, yeah. Last week, saying that three major retailers in Australia, so Kmart, Bunnings, and the Good Guys, mm. at least three. There might be more. Are using facial recognition technology in their shops, and not doing a very good job of letting customers know that that's going on.
2: Bunning, Bunnings have had facial recognition technology for years, have they? Or as we call him, Tony. When, when I go there, he always <laughs> says, "says G'day, Adam." <laughs> 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 you recognizes me straight away. <laughs> I'm like wow, how does he know? How does he know AI. it's me? Yeah, um, is Tony no. an AI? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tony's, Tony's just the guy at the front of Bunnings. Yeah, right. I, I guess I kind of assumed this was happening. I don't know. Maybe I, I, oh, I'm really? too open. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Facial recognition. I don't know. It feels a bit big brother to me. I didn't realize. It's like, you know, like I get it if you like, it's a diamond warehouse and there's like, <laughs> Tom Cruise is going to have a heist and kind of break in. You want some facial recognition <laughs> tech, but it's Kmart. Like, what's going on, <laughs> man? <laughs> He's back the third time this
2: week <laughs> for homewares. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've just reached a point of complacency with my with my privacy. Of like, I just assume it's out there. Like,
3: uh-huh.
2: yeah, I don't know. What do you do? Shop online that way. That way, instead mm. of your face, they're only getting you know your browsing history, your shopping preferences, your shoe size, your, your bloody. <laughs> Marital status, your name, address, God—you know, like everything but your face. If you go, if you shop online yeah. instead, like I think we shouldn't overstate how much we're giving away mm. by letting our face appear in Kmart's um, shopping feed.
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, but there, there's a difference here. Like, I think you know, they talk about, you know, like you, you kind of you are aware of that if you read the terms and conditions when on you're online shopping. You get some sense of that. <laughs> like no the
2: cookie knows. pop up, the thing that pops yeah. up and says we use cookies. Are you okay with that? And everyone just blindly goes, yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't I know like, what cookies are. I like, I like cookies. cookies.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, like I didn't know this was going on, and, and like I, you know, like, I don't know if I haven't really thought into it, but I feel like I would have liked to have been told. Mm. And that's what Choice is saying. Like the like, there's really limited signage. Customers are almost completely in the dark about what you know what's going on there. 76% oh, well. of respondents If so they're really in they're
2: the dark, we wouldn't be able to see their faces. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. But those no, 76% said they had no idea that it's going on. Mm. It's a bit different. And, and the thing is, it's sort of like what Choice highlights is it's in a bit of a regulatory sort of grey zone is, because you're not mm. supposed to collect any biometric data or particularly biometric data uh, under, mm. under the Privacy Act unless you really need to. It's not yeah, I think clear. the.
2: I mean, the Privacy Act's all about like you, you shouldn't be collecting any data that you don't have a like a a purpose for. So you need to have a mm. demonstrable purpose for why you're collecting data, and it applies to anything yeah. like forms or whatever. Like if you're mm. if you're on the web and you say, "Hey, I, I want you to register for our site," you can't just say, "Oh, we need your passport number." It's like, yeah. no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just buying a toothbrush through Kmart online or whatever. You don't need my passport number. Like it's irresponsible to collect that information. So so no. I don't know. And, and I think it's a security thing presumably, isn't it? They're, they're trying to stop theft. and.
3: I guess. I mean that's what I, when I read the privacy act, it's like, well, who defines need? You know, what mm. if Bunning says, well, I need to sell it to people. <laughs> this information we part of it's part of my business model
2: you can rest assured we'll be selling it at everyday low prices <laughs> Man, I can't, I I can't believe this is the thing we've we've literally been we've literally been covering up our faces for two years and everyone was outraged but we had to move to masks everyone's like i'm never wearing a mask it's my right you can't cover mm. my face up and now we take the mask off we finally got rid of the mask everyone's like what?" You're looking at my face? You can't be looking at my face. Like, <laughs> make up your mind, people. What do you want? <laughs> uh. All right. I reckon that probably does us for this week. Don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts from Equity Mates. Get started investing, Equity Mates investing podcast. You're in good company. Talk money to me, crypto curious and the dive. And of course, FinFest happening October 15th. Head to equitymates.com forward slash FinFest. And if you've, you've enjoyed this show and you've enjoyed our other shows, then please, please, please tell a friend, uh, spread the word. That would really help us out enormously. But Thomas, that's it for us for this week. We look forward to your company again next week. It's bye for now.
0: Comedian vs Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.